0: This is Marketing Then and Now, a Talk and Tell with Bozo where we talk with experts about trends and practices, current and tried and true, and we tell you how to implement them in your own marketing strategies. It's Marketing Then and Now, now. Hello and welcome to another edition of Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozell. My name is Jim Mingy and I will be your host today as we dig into some of the latest marketing trends with one of our advertising and marketing gurus here at Bozell, Ms. Kim Mickelson, and who is also happens to be one of the owners here at Bozell. So uh, welcome, Kim. Thanks, Jim. In this episode of Marketing Then and Out, we're going to take a look at the latest marketing and advertising trends, some holiday marketing trends, um, and how the, the, the advertising and marketing industry was affected and continues to be affected, obviously, uh, by the COVID pandemic. And that's what I'd like to dive into first, how, the, how COVID and the emerging generation of stay-at-home workers have affected the advertising industry. Um, I think it's fair to say that COVID changed marketing forever. Uh, especially in the digital marketing arena, which is you know was already on the rise, but I think COVID really accelerated or seemed to accelerate it. Is that kind of what you saw, Kim?
1: Absolutely. I mean, just think about what happened during COVID. You know, we we needed things and we couldn't go anywhere. So, I mean, it it escalated what was already well underway, and we're seeing that continue because we're still in the midst of all this, right? So, it definitely. Um, you know, just really accelerated the pace of
0: change. Absolutely. I mean, e-commerce, I mean, it's not like it it was invented when when COVID came along. I mean, it was, you know, increasing and becoming more and more uh, prevalent, especially in the retail space. But um, I think prior to the pandemic, some people, there was a, a certain segment that was still a little skittish about e-commerce and, and buying it. But I mean, now, I mean, they're buying everything from, from medicine um, to groceries, to cars online. And, you know, it's all delivered to their house, including their car. You, you could you can buy a car online and just, just drop it off in your driveway. There you go. Ding dong. <laughs> exactly. um, do you see this move to, uh, to, to getting everything essentially uh, on e-commerce online? Um, do you think that's going to continue or do you think that we're going to maybe slowly, you know, ease our way back into, you know, traditional brick and mortars type stores.
1: I don't think the genie goes back in the bottle. I think, you know, we're convenience oriented human race. We like things simple. Now that we've gotten over our, you know, our skittishness about e-commerce in uh, all things from groceries, as you said, to cars, to medicine, I think that convenience factor really comes into play. And I don't think the genie goes back in the bottle. At the same time, what we've seen now on the Black Friday weekend was that digital sales actually shrunk a little bit compared to store sales. So we miss stores. We miss going out and those outings. So I don't think it ever completely replaces stores. But I do think that that convenience factor of having things easily deliverable to you things that aren't easy. Case in point, my 80-year-old mother during the pandemic ended up you know, using things like Instacart and things that she never would have used. She doesn't even have a debit card. So she, she, she orders stuff from Amazon and she kind of got past that initial skittishness that somebody older might have had relative to e-commerce. And I don't think she's ever going to give that convenience back up. And I think that's true pretty much of all of us, you know, just why? (laughs) Let's do that. We We do enjoy shopping in stores, so we will go to stores, you know. Again, all of these things that happen in our society just continue to accelerate changes that are already occurring.
0: Um, What about some numbers? Um, Do you, can you give us some numbers, some percentages as far as, I mean, we know it increased, you know, a lot. Um, but do we do we know how much online shopping and online ad buys in, in particular well, increased?
1: Well, you know, in 2020, online revenue growth was up 44%. And in Q1 of 2021, it increased 39% year over year. So that's a staggering growth rate, right? Um, so it really just completely accelerated from where it was. Um, you know, and another way to look at it was, pre-pandemic about 28 percent of the population was shopping online weekly and the after the first three months of the pandemic that number jumped to 36 percent of the population so 36 percent of consumers that's a huge jump right and yeah the amount spent with U.S. retailers um, grew about 44 percent so over the same period in 2019 so those are all kind of 2020 figures, 2021, I think we're gonna see even a bigger number. You know, the reality is, it was the most convenient way to be able to get what you needed during the pandemic. And through the course of it, you know, the people that were at one point skittish about online shopping kind of got over it in a very quick way.
0: Well, so I mean, online that those are huge numbers, huge jumps. So and so online was gangbusters, but the the rest of the economy um, wasn't wasn't so much. Not much. Um, and this is <laughs> not so much. Um, how do, how would periods like what we're going through now, uh, you know, you know, during and 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 now it's I mean it's not over by any means, but. Uh, You know, this this period that we're in, how does that compare to other, you know, say, like the uh, the economic issues we're having in 2008 or other economic downturns that we've had, uh, you know, as far as in terms of of marketing and advertising and how those dollars were spent?
1: Well, you know, I vividly remember 2008, um, you know, but if you think about the cause of that one, that one started in the financial sector and kind of rippled outwards. Right. Because of the mortgage Mm -hmm. crisis. Um, yeah. and so it was, it was a difficult time because people were losing their homes, you know, they had gotten in over their heads credit wise. There was some not so, or there were some pretty sketchy kind of mortgage, um, things that, that caused a lot of foreclosures, a lot of people losing jobs, you know, it was, it was a difficult time, but so the rock kind of pebble kind of fell in the financial industry and rippled outwards. Right. But we sort of knew the causal effect of it, and we knew that there were some safeguards, guardrails being put in place to have that not happen again. You know, the government sort of stepped in and, and started doing some things in that industry. So it was all about sort of that initial burst and then recovery, right? Right. Um, It took a while because consumer confidence really took a hit. A lot of people lost jobs. They lost everything with their homes. So it was a a good two, three-year climb for our industry to get kind of out from underneath the, the damage that that particular crisis caused because marketing is so connected to the economy. As the economy goes, so too does our industry, right? So as everybody kind of felt crunched, pulled their budgets back during that period because it felt inappropriate to do a lot of marketing in the face of, of what some people were up against. We tightened our belt. We, you know, really kind of put our nose to the grindstone and really worked through it through, you know, hard work. We called it sort of dime at a time strategy where we were doing a lot more project work and stuff like that. We cut expenses. We did what we needed to do. Looking back at 2008 through the lens of 2021, 2008 seems mild in comparison to what we're going through now. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because this is, number one, this is global. This isn't just a situation with mortgages in the U.S. This is a global crisis. And it became it's become very apparent with this one how connected we are. As we sit here looking at a holiday season with supply chain issues, People can't get parts. There's a lot of things people can't get that are really affecting the ability to conduct commerce, right? Um, so we're seeing inflationary, we're seeing... So this crisis has been significantly, I think, more challenging than any of the the ones in my career um, in that it also seems like the crisis that just keeps the hits coming. Um, you know, we thought when we closed down our office on March 13th to go remote, that it would be a couple weeks, right? And hello, we're now 18, 19 yeah. months later and we're still remote. Um, a lot of companies have completely gone remote now. So yeah. a lot has changed during the course of this, this one and we're still in uncertain times you know just when we thought maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel of this you know latest delta variant now we see a light and oh it might be the omicron train you know coming right at us yeah. and we just don't know and so the level of uncertainty among marketers is higher than i've ever seen because they're like i don't know should i should i not should i go should i not should i go should i not that's where digital has been an advantage because people can turn it on, pause it, pull it back, change the message much quicker than in traditional media. Right. Um, and they've been able to really sort of zig as the market zigs zag as the, as the economy changes. Um, it just gives marketers a lot more flexibility to try and keep their businesses going. Um, and I think we've seen a lot more creativity a lot more creativity during the pandemic you know how do you how do you, sur- how do you do something when you can't produce something with people? I have to laugh at at um Kroger, you know they went to commercials doing these little animated people um you know well, what do you do when there's not even any new content on t v right it Sparked a lot of creativity on people figuring out ways to do things that, to overcome the challenges that we had. And that to me was pretty exciting.
0: Looking back at the history of Bozell, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of challenging times and, and, and Boz, Bozell's been able to, to battle through those. Um, I, I'm thinking of, of when you were part of the ownership group in, uh, in, in 2001 um, that, that bought back Bozell from, from the holding company, um, and, and brought it back, back to local.
1: Well, you know, just a quick backstory relative to the acquisition of Bozell. We, Bozell and Footcomb Building were part of True North holding company. We had merged together back in the late nineties. Um, and both companies had a significant amount of tech business. So when the dot-com bomb hit in 2000, you know, there was a, there was a kaboom. Um, we were publicly traded. So we became vulnerable and we were acquired by Interpublic Group, right? So we were lucky in having friends in high places that allowed us to make a tendered offer to buy our office back um, because David Bell and and Chuck Peebler were still actively involved in um, highly ra- ranked at, uh, within the interpublic merger. So it started in July of 2001, but our notice of intent to buy the company became public on 9-11-2001, which is a day that goes down in infamy, right? It was a horrifying day. I remember sitting in my office going, oh my God, just you know, as we saw what was happening in the country, it was terrifying. And then later that afternoon, it hit me that uh, marketing was going to take a big hit. It always does. I mean, and in my lifetime, there had never been a terrorist attack on American soil like that. So we knew that there was going to be some major implication. And of course, it was terrifying because I had sunk everything I owned into buying the company, all my savings, uh, everything I had put together throughout my career and we knew that marketing was going to take a hit. And of course it did. Um, You know, it, it almost came to a screeching halt following that because it just wasn't appropriate. And so for probably the next two or three years again, it was a long time in coming back because it needed to feel appropriate. I mean, the economy took a hit. Our industry took a pretty big hit. Some agencies didn't make it. There was a lot that didn't make it through 2001. Um, A lot of layoffs occurred. There was a very big dynamic change that occurred. And again, because of that crisis, what had already been brewing escalated. Digital was making its way forward. Again, it was 2001. It was still pretty young in it but it escalated the pace of digital growth right then and there as a result of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a difficult time, but the, you know, the agency dates back to 1921. So they went through the great depression. They went through just world wars, all kinds of things.
0: Boy, Oh boy. A uh, lot of challenging times throughout Bozell's existence, a lot of history in that 100 years. Um, let's talk about, uh, marketing and advertising during the holiday. Well, let's, let's, let's focus it on the last three years. I'm curious to, to what your take is on how the themes, uh, and and how advertising during the holidays has evolved just in these three years, you know, 2019, 2020, and now this year.
1: I've seen some pretty drastic changes. Okay. You know, think back to 2019, there was a lot of humor. There was a lot of high production value, um, kind of content and commercials. Um, there was a lot of humor, 2020 drastic change. So you went kind of from humor and sarcasm and to sentimental. It was, you know, advertisers saying, let's all appreciate what we've got. Let's hold family near and dear. There was a lot of very sentimental. You didn't see any humor in 2020 or very little. Um, you certainly didn't see much in terms of like sarcasm or, you know, kind of snarky humor. Sure. It was very sentimental. It was very, let's appreciate what we have. Mm-hmm. 2021 is just bizarre because <laughs> I, I, it, it's all over the map. I saw my first new holiday commercial um, last night that had humor and I thought, wow, that's interesting. Humor's back. And it was a little bit of Santa's rough ride, um, you know, kind of traversing the, 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 the trails. And it was like, wow. And it was for Oreos. So it was pretty good. Uh Um, But I don't think there's a lot of depth of the of the advertising. I think we're seeing a lot of people that are either reusing something from the past or not producing anything new because we're just, I don't know that people know what the heck the holiday is going to bring. You know, we've been yeah. under such a roller coaster ride that about the time you do something sentimental, it will be perceived wrong. I mean, it's just been difficult. I think marketers are real skittish. What do you do? Um, you know, and you certainly don't want to do something so bland that doesn't get noticed. But at the same time, I mean, it is it, it's pretty we're on rocky territory to know exactly what to do. So I think this year is going to be a hodgepodge of. Uh, and even those many of the companies aren't advertising at all because they just don't have the product.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you know, this has been, you know, as we, as we kind of wrap up the, this episode, let's get into the crystal ball. I want you, I want you, you're, you're good at looking into the crystal ball. I want to see if you can, you can predict on, <laughs> if, if it's ever been hard to predict, uh, this has got to be the hardest time to, pre- to predict what the marketing yeah. and advertising industry is going to look like.
1: Well, a- again, it's a guesstimate, but based on where we've been, I think we're going to continue this trajectory of enhanced digital purchasing, you know, e-commerce, digital marketing, digital advertising. But I think we have a couple big hurdles on the horizon that are going to have to get addressed that have really been brought to the forefront um, in the last couple years. One is the privacy issue that has become very apparent to consumers about the data that gets used and shared it's all over the news um so i think the data and privacy issues are going to be a pretty big hurdle that need to get addressed i think they'll probably get addressed both from a regulatory and from a self-regulatory aspect so i think that is one hurdle we're going to see that could very much change the kind of data that marketers are able to get okay so that's one The second one I think is going to change is, and I guess I'm going to broadly categorize it under the category of, of um, potential um, abuse. And that is, it is so easy anymore through social media channels, through a variety of different things to spread misinformation, to initiate kind of spammy marketing, Bad actors are able to use the tools that are out there very easily today, right? We've seen that with social media misinformation, with, you know, vaccine misinformation. We see how quickly this stuff can spread. Um, I think the channels are going to need to do some massive cleanup of how do we control information while still being a free flow of information. Over the next few years, I think we're in for some very big changes yeah. because we're going to have to fix the things that aren't working so well and build upon those that are in order to create a a media ecosystem that really works for both consumers and marketers. So I, I think it's going to be. A lot of changes over the next three to five to 10 years. Well,
0: Kim, hey, this is just what we needed. You know, again, I I love having you uh, on our podcast because you offer such great insight, uh, a great, you know, great viewpoints. I I love when you look into your crystal ball and make predictions and you just, you, you know, so much about the history and, and and trends and statistics and numbers. You, you come with it all. And so uh, thanks for, for sharing that again with us. I appreciate it so much.
1: You bet, Jim. Yep. Glad to hey. be here.
0: And and thank you everybody for tuning in to another edition of Marketing Then and Now, a Talk and Tell with Bozell. If you haven't subscribed, you know I have no idea what you're doing. What, what are you thinking? Come on, subscribe already. And that way you're gonna get a notice when we drop a new episode and it's super convenient hey and if you really like this episode you know you know by all means leave us a review we love to give reviews so until next time this is jim mingee signing off from the bozell studios at 2215 harney street somewhere in middle america